Well, for some of you that don't know me, I'd just like to just say a little thing, give you an information backdrop about me at least. I am originally from the south in Louisiana. I was born and raised there. I became a Christian when I was 13. And the night that I became a Christian, the previous night, I was lying down in my bed, and I think it probably had to be about 2 two or 3 a.m. in the morning. And I felt a kind of a light tap uh, on my shoulder. And, that, and after that light tap, there was a voice that came to me and said, Get up and get on your knees. And that voice sounded like my grandmother. And if you know anybody from the South or you've been to the South or you are from the South, you know that when the elders speak to you, you do what they say. (laughs) So naturally I got up off my bed and I did not know until my aunt had told me what time it was. I did not know. I just got up and got on my knees. And I didn't know really what to say other than God here. Here I am on my knees before you. And so I stayed there for about an hour or so. And the following day, we had a revival. It was a revival service that was conducted in our church. And I remember the preacher preaching that morning. And when he gave an altar call, he called us up. And I remember walking out there. And I know for sure that my life was going to be different. I know that. And it was going to mean something. So I walked out there and I gave my life to Jesus. And I remember the pastor's wife came up to me and she says, you're going to preach and you're going to teach God's word. And I can remember so clearly when she told me that, I, told, I wondered in my mind, how in the world is that going to happen? Because all of my relatives and my friend, they thought that, for the longest time that I could not talk. Because I only said a very few words. If somebody wanted to have a conversation with me, that conversation was not going to be long. It was going to be yes or no. <laughs> From me at least. And if actually, if, I, if you got a yes out of me, that was good. Because normally I was accustomed to. And then said, Wow, after everybody came up to me afterwards and said, Wow, is that correct? That, that prophecy correct on you that you're going to preach? How? And I wondered how as well, too. <laughs> well, life went on. Life went on from that point. And life was good, but life also took a drastic turn because... I found out that many places in which you actually go to, 
for church, many people don't pay attention to what the Bible says. Or they don't do what the Bible says. Many people just like to talk about what the Bible says, but don't like to practice what it says in their life. And because of that, it was like an arrow shot into my heart. And I was so hurt to where I could actually go into church and people still did not love each other. There was still hate in the church. There was still jealousy in the church. Now, I know the church is not going to be imperfect. Or church is going to be perfect, I'm sorry. I know that. But what I have a problem with is, is that if those sin actions and sin continue on and on repeatedly to where it becomes habitual, then I got a problem with that because there's no change that is going on in our lives. So I had a problem with that, and I, instead of doing what the pastor says, I did not repent of that sin in my life. So it swelled in my life. And I got more and more angry and more and more upset at people and so forth. Until God brought me to a point to where I needed to start looking at myself. And then when I began to look at myself and I saw all of the ugliness within myself, then I can see how much I needed God then. See, after we come to God, we need to also recognize that we need him to help us grow and change as well too. That encounter led me to a situation where I was in college where a lady told me, you need, I believe, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at that time, I thought maybe that when I came to Jesus that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. But when I came to Jesus, actually, I was indwelt with the Holy Spirit. But because of issues that were happening in my mind, in my emotions, I needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? I'm going somewhere with this. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. With evidence as we see in the Bible of speaking in tongues. So when I had that feeling of the Holy Spirit and that experience of speaking in tongues, my life began to change. And it began to change in a very dramatic way. 
Now I went from being a very shy guy, not really not seeing how I could actually be up here and preaching, to now one that actually got a little bit of boldness now that I want to actually share with people now. And they couldn't stop me from talking then. And you're going to see that today. <laughs> but I'm reali- I've realized now, over the course of time, in my life, I've realized that the Spirit of God and conversion came to dwell in me. I needed now not only to have the Spirit of God dwell in me, but I need to be filled with God's Spirit. Where He could fills my mind, fills my emotions, and so forth. But I've also learned too. When I say I learn, I say I mean it in the context of I'm still learning. I'm still learning that I also need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Filled by the Holy Spirit. And controlled by the Holy Spirit. Three different things. And the believers, me and you, we need to experience these stages in our lives. And as we do that, many of us line up, me including last night. As we do that, that what we ran out here last night for, to be empowered, to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, that's what will happen to us. And when we decide that we want to be empowered and controlled by the Holy Spirit, that's one thing that we must go through before that power is released upon our lives. And that's what I want to come to today. I believe, and I believe that I see it within Scripture, I believe that before we experience, watch this, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. We have to go through a time of trials and testing. And when we go through a time of trial and testing and pass those, then that dunamis power of the Holy Spirit in which we are seeking will be released upon our lives. <laughs> Some of you thinking that all I'm going to have to do is just ask but not have to go through anything. Wrong. You're going to have to go through something in order for the power to be released on your lives. Pastor Law did not get to the point that we, he is at now without going through something. Yes. And this time I believe that we are in now in our nation. It is a time in which we are going through something. 
And I believe that it's a time of trial, it's a time of testing. And I believe as the believers go through them, watch this, with thanking God for them, two, rejoicing in them, and three, obeying what the Holy Spirit would say to you in those times. I think if we can go through those times of testing in that manner, I believe then God will release the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit upon our life. Did you know that the Bible talks about the word of power in the New Testament in three or four different meanings? All right. Dynamis simply just comes from the word we understand here in English language as dynamite. Okay. What does dynamite do? Dynamite can take the former kingdom and stick, stick a few sticks of dynamites around that kingdom and blow that thing into tire pieces. Okay. So that's what we're talking about here today. We're talking about a power that one God wants to release upon us that would Take hell by force and will cause hell and the power of hell to be dissipated from people's life. That's what we're talking about today. I'm not talking about just people going sitting up in a church and just singing songs. Yeah, that's wonderful to sing songs in the church and praise God then. But I'm talking about a power that needs to rest up on us when we got people being nasty to us, people that are yelling to us and causing persecution to happen in our life. That's the power that I need. I don't need the power when we're around you. You love me. You have to love me. But that person that I'm telling the truth outside there, he don't love me. He hate me because I'm telling him the truth. But I still have to love him or her. <laughs> what a Lord Jesus give me today to have fun with you. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's what I've been talking about. Experiencing. God's power in our lives. That's how I believe that I have come to the point to where I believe that I can accomplish what we are trying to learn here in camp. How to rule and reign. Oh, we think that we're going to rule and reign in our own strength and our own power. We forget it. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We need the power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives and manifesting through our lives. And then we can be the people in which God wants us to be. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But you got to be willing to go through something. You got to be willing to obey God as those times come. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about if, I, if I'm going to a situation and I got sickness on my body and I'm, I'm laughing at that. No, why am I rejoicing? I'm rejoicing because I know the God in whom I serve has power over this sickness in my body. And I know that as I come to him and submit myself to him, he will give me the grace to overcome that situation in my life. That's why I can rejoice in him. Hallelujah. See, I can rejoice in God in a time when the economy is down. I need to understand that the economy, they don't control me. God controls me. God provides for me. Not the economy. It 
doesn't matter. Rejoice in God. Hallelujah. I would like to tell you good news here. Before that trial comes to you, God will supply you with the grace to be able to go through that situation. Listen to what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. It says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I. But the grace of God that was with me. Paul testified to the church at Corinth. And he's saying to them, if you'll read a few verses before this, he's saying to them that I'm the least of these guys. And God has called me to take the gospel to the whole Gentile at that time. And Paul would probably say it like me. When I was a young man and God said, I'm calling you to preach. And he says, I, I can identify with Moses a little bit. God, how you want to call me to preach? And I don't even speak to people that much. But you call me to preach. Paul was called to carry the gospel to the Gentile, me and you. He was called there. And God supplied him with grace to be able to do the job. Some people have just the wrong understanding of grace. They think that grace is something that just gives them the freedom to continue on sinning. When Paul has said, absolutely not, to the question of, do we continue on sinning? No, you don't continue on sinning. What grace is, and I believe it is, grace is, I believe, a desire and the power that we receive from God to carry out his will. Amen. Hallelujah. So we cannot keep on sinning. No, that would be trampling on the blood of Jesus. If we keep on sinning. No. Stop it. God will supply us with the grace when challenges come into our life, trials. God will give us the grace we need. Yes. And two, the degree when we are facing those trials and challenges in our life, if we would thank God for them, rejoicing them, and obey the Holy Spirit as he would speak to us, when we're going through that, we will experience the manifestation of God's power and his spirit in our lives. It's very clear in scripture. Look at this. The Macedonians, they gave us a great example of this. Macedonians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 to 3. It says, and now... Brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trials, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Clearly here. 
The Macedonian churches were experiencing great trials in their lives. Real trials. Hardships in their life. But out of, the Bible says, out of their overflowing joy. It's because they knew their God. And because they knew their God, when they faced these tests and trials in their life, instead of saying, oh God, why you let me go through this God? Or this is because that person made me. He's so bad. Instead of them murmuring, complaining, guess what they did? They began to worship their God and they began to obey their God and their joy was overflowing no matter their circumstances. Their joy was overflowing. Don't let things in our life dictate how we're going to feel. Right? Some people can come into the worship server and if the worship team don't play the light song that they're like, they cannot hook up with God. I will say to you, don't even come into the worship service. Go back home. God has done enough for me to where I don't care who is up there singing. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to get my praise on, Jack. Because of what God has done. You got to know that when I call you Jack, it means that I love you, okay? That's a black folk slang now, okay? Amen. (laughs) But God has grace for you. He has grace that he gives to us before going through the trials. He has grace there. And part of that grace is God also arming us with his word. Okay? God knows the trial. And he allows it to be there. You know why? Because he is interested in fulfilling his number one goal for your life. And his number one goal is not that you have big houses and thousands of dollars It's great if he gives you that. And that's wonderful. But his number one goal for you is that you will grow up to be like Christ. That's his number one goal for you. And he's interested in conforming us to be like him. Yeah. See, I was fooled. I was duped into believing that When I became a Christian, everything was going to be all rosy. That's a lie. Everything is not all rosy. Everything is good because we know that we have somebody to go before us through the trials and through the hardships in life. That's why the Bible said that Jesus being tempted at all points. He never sinned. He understands what you go through. He understands the hardship. He understands the persecution that you go through. He understands that. And he goes before you. And he holds you up in that time. And if we would have eyes to see him in that manner, joy would start to come from our hearts. No matter our circumstances. (laughs) Oh, praise Jesus. You know, 
It's interesting how the disciples, they were indwelled with God's presence. And they were filled with God's presence. But that wasn't enough. You remember in John, Jesus breathed his spirit, John chapter 20, into his disciples. But in Luke chapter 24, we see Jesus says to his disciples, wait in the city in Jerusalem until you are endowed with power in your clothes. Jesus made a distinction there. He made a distinction between his disciples being filled. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit compared to being filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit? So we must ask ourselves, what made the difference? What made the difference between the filling of the Holy Spirit and the actual power of the Holy Spirit in the upper room? What made the difference? If you will read Luke chapter 24 carefully, and you will see in verse 49 it says, I am going to send you what my father has promised. But in light of what I just said, that's what the but means. Anytime you see the word therefore or you see but, it always means read what has happened before. And then you understand what it means in the end, okay? So I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Clearly here. If the disciples do not obey Jesus and wait for him, they never receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Some of you are just in that place to where God has said for you to wait. But you're so antsy and you want it to happen so quick that you go ahead of God and you miss the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and you go out in your own will and your own way and you're not empowered to do God's will. Clearly here, obey. They obeyed God by waiting. And as they waited, God came upon them in power, in glory, in victory. And they went from being disciples to apostles. And they were never the same again. (laughs) They were never the same because of the power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. And they're waiting and they're obeying God. That's the difference between filling Uh, infilling and the power of God being upon our lives. The power of God going to be on our life as we obey God. Okay. And when we don't obey God, the power of God leaves from our lives. Okay. Clearly that's what David, that's why he could recognize that God don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Why? Because David knew that he had sinned and David knew that he had to repent. 
And as he walked with God in obedience, he knew that the power of God would be upon his life. Today, there's no power going on outside of the church. Why? Because I cannot tell the difference between the people in the church and the people outside of the church. Amen. If we want the power of God on our life, we must be a people who walk in obedience to God. Amen. <laughs> That's what the Bible is for. That's why I love the James, like I told you the other night. There's no good. It can say, oh, it feels so wonderful. That was a heavenly word. But if you walk out of the door today and don't even practice it, then you just became a hero and then you deceive yourself. Because you didn't obey what it said. Amen. It's okay for to say amen. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Look at the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. We ought always to thank God for you brothers. And like, rightly so. Because your faith is growing more and more. And the love Every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith and all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. If you read in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 1, Paul says that when they came to preach the word to the Thessalonians, they received the word with great joy. And this was in the midst of their trials and their hardships in life that they received God's word with great joy. And instead of them giving up and losing hope in the midst of their trial, they continued to obey God in the midst of their trial. And Paul comes back again and he says, we got to always give thanks. And we talk about you to other churches because of your faith and your, in the midst of perseverance, perseverance. In the midst of trials in your life. Wow. Some of you probably didn't know that. In order for me to get that power over my life. I got to go through something. Hey. That's why sometimes all hell breaks loose in your life. Okay. Because God wants to test you and see how genuine you are. Okay. He wants to see how genuine you are. He doesn't want, the, the devil is not, the devil is not messing with anybody that he knows that is not as genuine for Christ. Okay? He is happy that you go on to church and you praise God and never do anything for the society and try to get people out of hell. He is happy that for that to happen. But the minute that you begin to say, no, we want to release people from the hand of the enemy, then he will try to come up on you then. I can tell you for sure that when I, I, I probably because I have the privilege to be able to be around my pastor, but I can tell you for sure when the pastor began to say, oh, no, I don't want to do this on my own, but I want to let the power of God work in me and through me to release people from hell. I can tell you for sure he would declare to you that all kind of hell breakthrough in his life. People start to walk away from him. People start to persecute him and everything because of obedience to God and because of her desiring to want to walk in total obedience, surrender to the spirit of God, all hell broke loose in his life. And today the man is anointed of God because of his going through those situations. 
thanking God for them, rejoicing in them, and obeying the Holy Spirit. We ought to know that as Christians, if we want to see the Spirit of God and the power of God in our life, the power to chase hell away, we need to understand that we're going to go through trial and tribulation. And no way around that. I'm just being frank with you this morning. There's no way around it. Okay? I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not talking about trials that come to our life and situations that come to our life because we willfully sin. When you willfully sin like that, you should be allowing your head to be beat up by the enemy then. Because you're willfully sinning. I'm talking about when we are trying our best to live our lives to please God and walk in obedience to him. You can expect trials and you can expect tribulations to come to your life. And don't think that they're not. They're going to come. That's interesting. Interesting fact that I know. We, met, we remember most of our presidents and our leaders not because of all of the successes they do. Well, we remember them for how they went through hard times. How were they through those hard times? That's how we remember great people. We don't remember generally great people because we use excuses saying that they have all the attributes and they have all the, the things given to them. So they should do that. But when we went how they go through those difficult times in their life, that's what makes people great. Okay? That's what separates good athletes from great athletes. Is that great athletes are willing to go through the difficult times the same way that they go through the good times. They don't turn their back on God. When difficult time, they don't begin to blame God. They don't begin to com- murmur and complain to God because of bad time. They still give thanks to God, even in the bad times. And that's what the Bible says. We just have to have a, just a totally different understanding about trials in our lives. See, we think that. Again, like me, have that idea and that notion that comes from this pursuit of happiness. America provides that, a pursuit of happiness. And when we have that pursuit of happiness in our mind, we think about the little picket fence that's around our yard, about a two-story house, all serene. My kids conform to what I want them to be and so forth. I got about two or three cars in the garage and so on. We think about it like that. But when that bubble is burst, then we don't know what to do. Or when the economy sinks, then our spirit sinks right along with it. Why? Because that was our pursuit. We were pursuing those things instead of keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. Did you know that the Bible says in Isaiah that when we keep our eyes on the Lord, he will keep us in perfect peace. Did you understand that? So that's why I say that I am not worried about the economy. 
Why? Because my eyes are set on Jesus. And if I keep my eyes on Jesus, the Bible tells me that if he is the author and he is the finisher of my faith. And he is not going to let my foot stumble or slip. So I keep my eyes on him. My whole attitude changes when I go through trials in life. Easy. Again. To take in what the pastor is saying about ruling and reigning. Easy. When everything is going good. But when, not, when everything is not going good, can we do that? I remember brother, uh, Pastor Kenny and his wife, they let me stay with him for about six months or so before yeah, I ended up marrying my wife. And I remember that. It's about one week, and I don't know what it is, what was happening, but I was having an extreme pain in my body. Pain to where, boy, I just, you know, I, even as you make the even subtle moves, you can feel it. And I remember laying on his couch in his basement, and I just thought for a minute about the goodness of God. And it was almost like because I thought about the goodness of God and my eyes went away from that pain and my eyes were set on God and his goodness, that the joy just started to bubble up inside of me. His wife, Pastor Molly, she looked at me and she said, what what you doing? Because in one minute I was in extreme pain and I could not even move. Two days already that I missed from work. And now this moment I'm laughing like mad on the couch I was rejoicing on the couch it's great when I walked down the aisle and married my wife that was the greatest day I was like rejoicing and I say that simply because that day was a lot easier it was easier to rejoice but that day when I was laying and being afflicted with something in my body that wasn't all that easy to rejoice but God wants us to understand that he is the same in if I'm marrying my wife or if I got something going on in my life. He is still the same. And I can rejoice not in who I am, but I can rejoice in him and who he is. He has told me he will never leave me or forsake me. He has told me that I am rich, not poor. He has told me all those things. And no matter what happens in this life, I'm going to believe those until I depart and leave from this earth. And therefore, because of that, I'm going to give him thanks in whatever circumstances I'm in. I'm going to give him all the rejoicing that I can. That's why when I am into the church, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to rejoice in God. Yeah? People say... Blessed. People say, oh, you're blessed. But they go right down the street and they look at the sinner. He say, he's blessed. Okay. But on the other hand, when we have a collapse of things and something bad is going on, that sinner may be all rattled and shaken. Wow, would it be wonderful? Would it be a testimony to see the fruits of the Spirit develop from the life of the believer, even though we're going through this hardship and hard time? Wow, would it be wonderful to see a believer walking in peace because he knows his God is firm and he knows his God is steady? 
I used to think it was bad to laugh in church. But now, I, 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 wonderful. And I know that people always tell me when I, when I get prayed for and I go on the ground, I laugh loud. I laugh loud because God, <laughs> because God is showing me something different. I laugh loud. It's okay to laugh in church. Like the pastor say, God like Thai people. He like Thai people when they laugh too. <laughs> it might not be as loud as American, but he like when Thai, we like American. <laughs> Especially black folk. Black folk love to laugh. I'm telling you, Jack. They love to rejoice. When you've... When you've gone through and you've gone through a similar thing, then you've been chained pretty much all your life and you come to Jesus and you're being freed from that, you'll go away from rejoicing and you'll go away happy. Yeah. I went down the rabbit trail on that one. But God wants us to develop a new understanding of trials. Jesus himself. You remember what he told her? He told the crowd that would begin, that they start following him. He got up and he stood up and he began to preach a sermon that we call Sermon on the Mount. The different beatitudes, the attitudes in which we should have as kingdom citizens. He says to them, blessed are you when people insult you. Wow, I don't feel like blessed when people insult me, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. I don't feel comfortable when people say evil against me. (laughs) But what Jesus is saying to us is that we need to understand that this is the attitude in which we are to take. Verse 12, he said, rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So if they persecuted the prophets who spoke God's word, if they persecuted them, guess what? Me and you are going to be persecuted too. And we need to not just run around and get all sad and so forth. We just need to start to rejoice. Because we are being persecuted for the Lord's sake. Look at the, look. You, you remember, and this is exactly when the pastor spoke of it last night. This is happening as Jesus, he was dunked in the water. The Holy Spirit, in form of a dove, came upon him. And the Bible said that the Spirit led him in the desert for what? He can be tempted, right? Forty days, forty night. Wow! And this tempter came to him when Jesus was hungry, very hungry. He came to him, and Jesus did not give in to that. Did not give in to the temptation of the enemy. And the Bible says, "Is Jesus when he came out? When he came out of that desert?" Then Jesus started his ministry. He started his ministry there. Uh-huh. He sure did. And that's why he picked up the scrolls 
And when he was in the synagogue, that's why he picked up the strolls and he said to the, to the people who were sitting there, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me, okay? That's why he said that. Because he had walked through that time of testing, that time of trial, and that time of temptation. He had walked through that. And then that dynamis power to be able to break yokes and change all people's lives had descended upon him. <laughs> all right? And that is waiting for me and you as well, too. Yeah. And I'm telling you ahead of time. All right? As soon as you get back home, something is going to break loose in your life. I'm just telling you ahead of time. So that you can remember. You can remember to give thanks for them. Rejoice in them. And also obey what the Holy Spirit will speak to you as you're going through it. And I can tell you for sure, as you do that, wow, you will experience that great joy and peace in which God has made available for his people. Amen. You'll see clearly. It was like so in Paul's life as well. When Paul was taken up, And being able to see, wow, the glories of heaven. And given all kind of revelation. And the revelation in which we know that God gave him. We find also he talks about that in Ephesians. About the church being made up of Jews and Gentiles. And they're being brought into one body. To form this body, not an organization, but an organism. To form a body with Christ being the head. There was great revelation that was given to Paul. And because God figured that Paul might puff up and his head may become big. The Bible says that Paul was given a messenger from Satan. A thorn in the flesh. And Paul asked God, how many? One, two, three times to remove this thorn from his flesh. And God didn't. But Paul said, and that's, uh, I'm sorry here. Second, second Corinthians, second Corinthians 12, 9. And also in verse 10. It's, Paul says that just almost very similar to what Jesus said when he was in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Paul said, it's okay, God, in other words, it's okay about this thorn. It's okay. But your grace, your grace may rest upon me. Your grace may be sufficient in it. God wanted Paul to know a deeper depth of the sufficiency of his grace. (laughs) You would think that Paul's an apostle as such as he was. He had enough grace. No, he didn't have enough. God allowed trials sometimes to keep us from puffing up. Is he's interested again 
and maturing and growing us into his likeness. Amen. How about Peter? Peter told, Peter told her brothers and sisters all through, throughout 1 Peter and 2 Peter. He says, brothers, don't find it strange. Don't find it strange when you go to fiery trials. That's the word he used. He says, don't find that strange. Because God wants to prove this here genuine you are. So don't find it strange when you go through situations. Don't get all agitated about it. Don't complain to God about them. But instead, give him thanks. Smile in them. See, the first century church, they understood that if they would continue to be obedient to God, no matter what their circumstances were, they knew that greater power awaited for them. They knew it. So therefore, that's why they rejoiced when they were persecuted. Well, you got Christians today, man. It's all wonderful. And they'll declare the word of the Lord when all things are going good. But when all hell is breaking loose, silence. God wants us to understand. He just give us a new thought about trials and we go through them. Therefore, you're good. And not to harm you. Therefore, you're good. That was, the whole, that was the whole prophecy in which Jeremiah gave to the people of God. It was during a time of captivity. Gave them the prophecy that God says, I know the plans that I have for you. The plans to prosper you, not to harm you. That's where that came from. He's saying, that, hey, don't, 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 grow, don't grow weary. Don't grow sad at your hardships and your trial in life. Continue to rejoice in God because they have a greater purpose. Pastor Lau and his lovely wife always talk about how we are to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. How do you think you're going to go from glory to glory to glory? You're going to go through trial, from trial to trial. <laughs> notice, notice what happened. When Jesus went to the cross, you think that was good? No, that wasn't good. He was beaten. He was bruised. And he was killed. I believe that when me and you get to heaven, boy, we're going to see some of these old saints who are in places like Africa, different parts of Asia where they're losing their lives. We're going to see that these are great saints. Jesus went to the cross. He died. And the Bible said that Jesus was raised in power and victory. Hey, friend. I'm telling you for sure. Me and you, if we go through this thing right now, and Paul the Apostle said that they're light, that these current trials and suffering that we go through right now, they're light 
compared to the glory that awaits for us. I tell you, when you go to that, when you, that, that trial is in your life, you say, wow, trial. But I tell you that if you open that door and you step on the other side, whoa, you will see a greater manifestation of that glory. Okay? However, before going through that door, Lord, Thank you for this situation, God, because I know it's going to work for a greater glory for you, God. I'm going to rejoice in it, God. And whatever you want to speak to me in this trial and this time, God, I'm going to put my foot in my hand to obey that. And as you are doing that, you open that door up and the glory of God wait for you. And people look at you and you will be a new creation. That's what that means. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's what that means. <laughs> Just the same way that Jesus was raised, we also, we also were raised with him. And at his second coming, we will see the totality of that. Okay? Uh, what, is, what is the power of the Holy Spirit? We talk about the Holy Spirit all the time. What is the power of the Holy Spirit? I would say to you that the power of the Holy Spirit is the greatest force which we have on this earth today. What is that? I would say it's genuine love. Got it? Genuine love. We often think about the, the Holy Spirit at the force that bring pop when somebody get laid hand on it, fly back like that and so forth. That's great. That's wonderful. It is. Or, you know, just the power being demonstrated like that. But when we read about the fruits of the Spirit, what is the very first one? The fruits of the Spirit is love. And you notice how in 1 Corinthians, Paul talked about how without this love in our life, we're nothing. He says that we can pull off the greatest miracles. We can sound like angels. That's what he says. But he says without love, we're nothing. We're nothing. We're absolutely nothing. And I would say to you that we're fooling ourselves if we think that we're going to walk out there and just preach a gospel to someone separated from love. It's not going to happen. They will not come. It's when the gospel and love are mixed by our surrendering to the person of the Holy Spirit then God can unlock the key of the hearts of people. And the greatest miracle of them all can happen. A sinner be transformed into a saint. Hallelujah. Greatest miracle of them all. Greatest of them all. Amen. Praise the Lord. We see clearly. Look at this. Listen to this 
Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. It's interesting how God connects in these situations, 1 Corinthians and also Peter here and also throughout the New Testament, how he connects the Holy Spirit, obedience, and love together. As we connect the whole, with the Holy Spirit, yield to the Holy Spirit, he is love, okay? And as we obey him, oh, we become dynamic. That's where that dunamis power comes into play then. The power to change and transforms lives, all right? When I came to the church, I knew right away that the pastor loved me. And I knew that he was trying his best to follow the Holy Spirit the best way he could. Therefore, 15 years later, I'm still here. I don't want to get you confused here. In some way, not because of the man. Okay? But because God is showing me who he is through the man. Got it? And that's what happens when me and you yield to the Holy Spirit. God will reveal himself through human vessels. Amen. That's what he will do. But you see, the problem is now God cannot reveal himself and his power to people now because, again, we, the church, are not living the way God would have us to live. He has been preaching. The pastor has been preaching how we should live. If we are living like that, oh, the church is dynamic then. The church is influencing our society instead of our society influencing the church. We are the people of God in whom he has anointed to be, to be people influence our society for good. Hallelujah. Amen. The pastor shared with us about a greater power. In John chapter 12 or 14, he shared with us about doing greater works. It's something I'm seeing as as well about this scripture. A person, because of the advancement in technology today, a person can literally... He brought back from the dead. People can get healed sooner. All right? So the miracles are small here in the context of this passage. Okay? The extent of God's kingdom is the main motivator in this particular verse. The wideness of the kingdom of God. The expanding of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God going into all of the world. That's the content here. Okay? Alright? Because the miracles and things are going to fade. But 
A person cannot be changed and transformed apart from the saving blood and mercy of Jesus Christ. That's why it is the greatest miracle of them all. And me and you, as we go into places where the gospel is not preached, okay? Places like uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, now God can show his miracle working power, okay? But many of us are not willing to go to those places. Or even if you want to drink, bring it home. We can actually go to maybe places like South Central L.A. or something like that, Compton, California, or something like that, where people are bang-banging every day, killing themselves and so forth. Step in there and show the power of God. Amen. That's why we want to have the power of God. Because all kind of wickedness and all kind of hell is being raised. We need the power of God. We need God to demonstrate that his power is greater than that power of the world. Amen. Amen. So the question remains, where will you go? That's the question. It's wonderful. I told you it's wonderful. It's wonderful to, to, to come and hear the pastor. It's wonderful. Every week, it's wonderful. Until you get the idea that you need to start another campus. And then when you start another campus, you got to go out there and then you look around for Pastor Lau on Sunday. No more Pastor Lau. And then you got to pay, you got to prepare a sermon every single week. Wow, a tough. Then you start to realize that, whoa. If I don't have the person of the Holy Spirit working through my life, it's all nothing. And I can't do it. Many of you are there. You go off to work every day. And you are next to people who are sinful. Very sinful. And you thinking that the only reason that you have been brought there is simply because you need to get a pay. No, the main reason that you've been brought there is so that you can share God's love with that sinner there. Amen. <laughs> Main reason why you have been stationed for your, you young folk. Main reason why you've been stationed at the university. Yes, to get your degree and so forth. But the main reason, so that you would represent Jesus there. Yes, friend, friend brother, sister, we allow, as we allow God's love to work through our lives. If we allow the spirit of God to work through our lives, God can take a sinful heart. And change it. That's why me and you sit here today. Somebody was bold enough to come up to you and tell you about this love in which we have now today. I would just encourage you to do the same to somebody else. Tell them about Jesus' love. Demonstrate Jesus' love in your life. Amen. I'll just start to wrap up here by saying to you that. We use these two names that I'm going to say to you. These two names that you often hear when it relates to the power of God's love working in their lives. First person, D.L. Moody. And the second person, Charles Finney. 
D.L. Moody was one day in New York City. And it was described as being, he says, I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say that God revealed himself to me. And I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand on me. I went to preach again. The sermons were not different. They did not present new truths. And yes, hundreds were converted. I would now, I would not now be placed where I was before. That blessed experience. If you should give me all the world. D.L. Moody is saying, I preached the same sermons. I gave the same truths. But because of God's love had a hold of his heart. And he released the word like the pastor was saying this morning. Instead of releasing bitterness. Release love. Hundreds were converted. Many talk about D.L. Moody, just like I am, in their sermons as illustrations, simply because of the power of the Holy Spirit working through his life. Charles Finney, one experience, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through me and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. No word can express the wonderful love that was shedded abroad in my heart. I wept out loud with joy and love. These waves came over me and over me after the other until I recollected. I cried out. I shall die if these ways continue to pass over me. When Finney, Charles Finney went to preach after this experience, he stated, the spirit of God came upon me with such power that it was like opening up a battery upon them. The Holy Spirit fell on the congregation in a most remarkable manner. I know where I have been. I know the hurt and the anger and the, and the hate and bitterness that was in my heart. But Lord, when I opened up my heart to Jesus and I let him come in and he changed my heart. And now that I allow him to try and control my life. Oh man, it's a wonderful thing to love people. It's a wonderful thing. I know that I cannot do that out of my own love. It's God radiating through me to be able to love these people like that. I want that. I don't want to just come to church and be the same. I want to be changed like that. I want my heart to break. I want my heart to love people like that. And I know now that if I would just yield to God, if I just allow him to control me, then I know for sure that love will pour, pour through me. And God's love will touch people's heart. And God is wanting to pour that love out on you. However, you must stay the course as you go through trials. 
and trust him. You want to know, though, you want to know the areas in which you're going to get tested? Whether you say yes or no, I'm going to tell you anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to finish up soon. Two minutes at the most here. Actually, that's a lie. About ten minutes probably here. Five tests that produce power. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, 10. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Verse 10, here you go. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight, notice that, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, difficulties. <laughs> this guy was awesome. <laughs> I have to admit to you, I don't delight easily in hardship. I don't delight in persecution. I don't delight in that. That's why I'm saying to you today, I want God to bring me to that place. He says, I delight in my weaknesses. In some of your texts, it may be infirmities. An infirmity, it is a physical disease or sickness. You wonder why sometimes you got saints who are obeying God to the best of their ability, and they're trying to walk in faith through a situation, and you wonder, well, why do they have that situation on their lives? So that God's greater power can be released on their lives. That that's why. You ever thought about this? And I have a friend now who has lung cancer. And in talking to this friend, I say, friend, all I can do is believe God that he can heal you. Because he said he in his word. But for me to try to say that I understand what that friend is going through, I can't. Because I don't have cancer. Right? Now, God, if he is willing, here's how it works. If God, if he is willing, that friend is willing to continue to obey God and let the fruits of God be demonstrated through his life, even during this trial in which he's going through in his life, he can be a witness for Jesus to the man that's dying in his bed with cancer. He can be a witness to him. Okay? That's why we don't want to disregard people who have been marching along with God and then sometime their enemy come treading into their life with things as such. Because God has a greater purpose for it. Okay? All right? That's why the Bible will go on to tell us that our thoughts are not God's thoughts. So are our ways. Our our ways are not God's ways. All right? When we start to dictate how God do things, then we are playing God's role there. And God doesn't like that. Reproaches or insults. It refers to insults, verbal abuse. 
You slander someone. You gossip about someone. As I said to you earlier, I don't like it when I hear somebody gossiping about me. It's hard for me to say, bless that brother or bless that sister. I want to say, never mind, I shouldn't have said that though. (laughs) I want to result back to my old sinful days. But that's another story. Reproaches. Hardships or necessities. Summertime we go through a situation where the work may in our lives be down in the boat. or Work is not going or flowing as it been. God is testing us to see if we remain thankful. You know, there are a lot of people who are losing their job. There are a lot of people who have lost their jobs. And we have a lot of Christians who have a job and they're complaining in their job. I don't understand it. You might not be working as much as you used to, but at least you got a job. And you can be thankful in that job instead of complaining in it. Right? Don't, don't, don't complain, don't murmur. It gets us nowhere. That's why, those, that's why the Israelites stayed in the desert for so long. They murmured and they complained. And that God had provided them God had provided them. He provided them food. He provided them good shoes and all that kind of stuff. And when they go through hardship, they all of a sudden forgot about God. And they complain about being in the desert. And we do that too. We do that too in America here. It's like last, I mean, eight years ago, the economy was like booming. Now the economy sank in the tank. And now people say, oh, God, what's wrong? Nothing wrong. It's just that God is in charge. And God wants us to be his people in good times and in bad times. That's it. That's the answer to it. Persecutions. Right? Insults. Hardships. Persecution. Distresses. All of these are tests in which God going to allow us to go through. He's going to allow it. Because he wants to prove you're genuine. Why we have the whole book, why we have Job written. Huh? If we just disregard that book, it's not a part of God's Bible. Yes, it's a part of the totality of God's word. It'll be great times. But there's also going to be time when God wants to test you because he wants to take you to the next level in your life. The next level of glory. So that we can be part of allowing his spirit to work through us to release the captives. That's what it's all about. Therefore, if you're a leader in the church or whatever it may be, always keep the gospel at the forefront. Don't go looking for and searching for all of these different techniques and all of the things that you need to do. Keep the gospel at the forefront and keep on making disciples and God will continue to expand and increase your territory. Keep it at the forefront. And there are going to be times where you're going to say, you're going to look out there and say, oh God, we had a hundred people that come last week, but oh God, we only have 
10 people coming this week. I would tell you to get up there before those people and preach your heart out and love them. If you got 10 now versus 10,000, just love them. And I tell you, God will increase when he see fit, when he see time for you. Amen. Hallelujah. How to, how to pass this test of obedience? I said it at the very beginning. How do you pass the test of obedience? One, you continue to give thanks to God. The Bible goes as far as saying that we give thanks to God in all circumstances because it is the will of God. It's the will of God. So when you complain in your bad times and you complain when you don't maybe like what the leader are doing or whatever, when you complain, and I've been there, so I know this very well, when we complain like that, we're disobeying God. You know that? But as we continue to give thanks to God, we walk in his will in his way. That's what the Bible said. And Paul said to the church at Philippi, he says, in fact, gave him a double command, rejoice. And then he said again, rejoice, I say, again. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He says, give thanks to God in all things. Rejoice in him and obey what God would have wanted to teach you in that trial. Obey, because that's very important. Brothers and sisters, God wants to move you from phase one, being indwelled and filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, to being controlled, by the Holy Spirit. Okay. And as we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, God's power will descend upon us. All right. I hope that you have a new idea about trials in your life now. I hope that you have a new revelation about trials in your life. That when you go through those trials, that you can still smile. And you can still rejoice in your God. And not get all downcast and putting your head down like that. But you can just look up to your God and see that trial that you may be going to. That trial is almost like a speck when you compare it to your God. Amen. Don't look down. Keep looking up to your God. Rejoice in him. Amen. If all the people are mad, then uh, I'll, I'll give back to you now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> wow, it's a blessing to hear the truth. Amen. How many people going to say ha, ha, ha when you face the trials? You're going to rejoice in a trial now? Amen. Walk by the Spirit. Amen.